0: Welcome to another episode of the Reaching the Summit Podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod, and I'm joined today by
1: Zach Dosh. You can find me on Twitter at Zachary Dosh. I'm Greg Steeman. You
2: can find me on Twitter at Greg Steeman.
0: And as we say every week, make sure you like uh and and subscribe to the podcast and give ratings and all of that. It helps people find it. And probably the biggest thing, when you're at games in the Summit League, if you're a loyal listener, tell 10, 15 people that you see at the game about the podcast. The, the more the merrier, and and we're just hoping to continue to grow the brand for the for the Summit League. So for this week's episode, we kind of started to think, all the listeners are we we've, we've talked a lot about each team and where we think teams are are at and and what we think of the teams. We haven't done a, a, a lot of jumping back into to specific players. And every time before a college basketball season starts, you get the, the first and second t- um preseason teams and the preseason polls and all of that comes out and there's a lot of discussion about it. What what I thought would be nice to do today is to just start into those first and second teams and player of the year and talk about who in that first 10 games of the season looks like they belong on that list. That wasn't there. Who on the second team might look like they're more a first team type member. And, who on the first or second team that maybe doesn't belong there just based on what we're seeing right now. We could even dive a little bit into some freshmen that, that have started to, to to shine a little bit because I think they'll move forward as, the, as they grow as the season goes. But I'll start out with the first team and the player of the year. So the player of the year was Max Acemus for Oral Roberts, the preseason player of the year. Then joining him on the first team were Josiah Alec, Sam Griesel, Rocky Cruiser, Baylor Shireman, and Douglas Wilson. And so as we go through there, there's a couple of players that you know haven't, whether it be injury or foul trouble or what have you, maybe haven't reached where we thought they would reach this far in the season. And some players that are right where we thought they would be. What if if you were to recast the first team? Um, what who would you guys think might belong on there that isn't? Or who might have to move down, or who might have not be on either. In fact, I'll, I'll go through the second team too, just so we have the whole whole list. Second team: Will Carius, Western Illinois; Tyree Eady of North Dakota State; Noah Friedel of South Dakota State; Xavier Fuller and Tasos Comateros of South Dakota. So that list of players. Anybody on that list that you guys that isn't on that list that should be, or players that should would maybe move a different place or have surprised.
2: Well, I'll just jump in quick. Um, I, I'm guessing all of us will agree. Noah Friedel, I think, was he was such a precarious pick in the preseason because nobody knew where he was at. You know, to be honest with you, and and uh, he's uh, cemented himself to this point through ten games as a solid first teamer, if not an MVP candidate uh, mm-hmm. for the Summit League, and and uh, and, and good for him, uh, great for him, and, and credit to Eric Henderson for the way he's. Uh, Uh, worked with Noah and put him in this position and so I think he's clearly a a young man that would probably be up on the first team line you know when I look at the first team Sam Griesel. the tough thing for him is he's been you know he's just starting to come back from a relatively serious abdominal injury and and uh, I think he's going to work his way back into the conversation just because of what he means to North Dakota State but uh, at this point in time if we had to name a first team he's probably not there just because he hasn't had the opportunity to perform Josiah Alec, Uh, Kansas City's had a couple of good wins, obviously beating Missouri, even though nobody really knows how good Missouri is right now. And then they were able to knock off Green Bay. Uh, But they still struggle offensively. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I think he's certainly capable of being in the conversation at the end of the season. We'll see how it all plays out throughout the conference play. And uh, other than that, um, I, I think things are probably kind of true to form.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest disclaimer um that we keep talking about every week, but obviously these teams have played drastically different schedules, right? Yeah. And so that could be uh part of the explanation for the discrepancy in production things like that. And so we're not we're not coming from a an even starting point here, but that's all right. Uh you know, we're just this is an exercise right now checking in on these teams. Um so uh I obviously agree with Greg that you know, North Ridel, he's right at the top, you know, he, he's probably one of the three players that you can consider for the conference player of the year at, at the quarter post here. Um, Max Acemas, obviously he stays on there as a, as a first team, all conference type player. I agree with Sam Griesel. It's nothing necessarily against him. It's just, it's just kind of incomplete right now. You know I mean? just, it's certainly not fair to him, but you can't be on it if you're, you haven't been able to play, uh, for injury. That's unfortunate. And Also, like Greg said, I think he's going to turn it around, and I think he's going to be a very productive player. We saw immediately how NDSU's offense was different with him out there. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's good that he's out there. It's good to get a couple games under his belt before the conference season rolls around. Rocky Cruiser, yep, obviously he stays. Baylor Sharman, he's my conference player of the year to this point. Um, I don't disagree with you, Zach. Yeah, and and I I, I, I probably had him just about the conference player of the year last year. I just love – he affects the the game in a way nobody else does and in more ways, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so ninth in scoring, he's leading the conference in rebounding as a point guard. Uh, and also first and assist at this point. Yeah, and he's I think
0: them both. Yep.
1: And and so like, and I think his production is only going to go up particularly with, with points. Um, well, we'll talk about it later, but obviously we saw him hit that step back three against Washington state. And so that's definitely something we've seen more of this year that we didn't see last year. And yeah, and, and Josiah Alec, you know, uh, you know, n- nothing against him, but that's just probably not—he's probably just not at that level right now. That first team all-conference. Um, and so I, I have Shireman, uh A. Smith, Friedel, Cruiser, and then I have Carius on the first team too. You know, yeah. he's—he hasn't been quite as explosive as he has been as he was last year. But that's because he hasn't needed to, and his team's yeah. winning. Like what he's doing is translating to winning more, which is. Oh, I I value that more than some people. I know a lot of people just go right to stats, and not, you know I don't blame them. They can have their opinions, but I I really value players that affect winning. That's why I'm I'm just so high on Baylor Shireman and, and Will Carius too. So, uh, I I have uh, Will Carius on the first team, and then uh, you know why not Riley Miller? I mean, what what do you know? At some point, you know, we're gonna have to start treating them like a like a normal uh, St. Thomas, like a normal team in the conference here, and um. You know, Riley Miller, he's third in the conference of scoring right now. Right. And 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 him and Anders Nelson are right there. And and so if we're just if this is truly just a quarter of the way through the the conference season, you know, who would be on that first team all conference? I'd have to probably put him on there. He's shooting the ball just unbelievably. I mean, the the field goal percentage that he's shooting from three point is just unbelievable. And they've had some nice wins. I mean, again, translating to winning, right? St. Thomas has several Division One wins. There's a lot of other of these schools that don't. So, that's my six right now for the first team: Sharman, Asmus, Friedel, Cruiser, Carius, and Miller.
0: Quick question for you guys: If it were voting time right now, and, and or at the end of the season, let's go with the end of the season. Winning probably does play a part in voting, um, but I want to ask the two of you. And and that's a uh, Riley Miller is a good barometer for how to make that vote third in, in scoring. Anders Nelson is fourth. Let's say Saint Thomas finishes seventh and North Dakota State finishes second. How do you? What's the balance between where your team finishes and where your um, you know scoring in these other statistical categories for for the two of you playing a vote like that? Go ahead, Zach.
1: Well, I, 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 think, um, a couple different ways, and I don't know that there is like a textbook way to do it. You know, I, I look at what would this team look like without them on it. I, I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Um, and when a lot of this, uh, scoring occurred, or when do these stats occur, you know, is this when they're down 20 or is this, you know, when they're coming down the stretch. And so I try to read between the numbers a little bit, um, Obviously, you know, the reason why I put such a, an emphasis on winning is because, you know, it's a pretty good indication as to whether this is just, you know, popcorn stats or it's it's like actually affecting winning. You know, is, is it just like a volume shooter? You know, is he averaging 20 points a game on 30 percent from the field? You know, things like that. And So um, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question at all. Greg, what do you think?
2: Well, I think you make some good points, Zach. And, and you know, I look at a couple of things and, and you talk about it. Todd, you say, well, second versus seventh, well, is the second place team an 11-win team and the seventh place team a seven-win team? You know, is there that big of a difference? You never know. And Zach makes a good point. How important are these guys to the success of an individual team? Um, I think you factor a lot of different things into it. How they do head-to-head, how do they impact the the, the playoff race or the tournament seedings? And, and, and really, also the eye test. You know, we're going to get a chance, Zach and I are fortunate, we get a chance to To watch all of these teams in person and how these players, you know, impact their team's success. And so I think a lot of, you know, I'm one of these guys that, yeah, will I look at numbers? Of course I will. But I'll also look at style of play. You know, there are some high-possession teams where where better players are going to average higher numbers. There are some lower-possession teams where uh, a guy like Grant Nelson, who is invaluable, in my opinion, to what NDSU is able to accomplish, you know how does he impact the game, and and how do people look at his contribution? So, um, you don't you're not getting any definitive answers from us, Todd. You're getting a lot of you're getting just uh, basically a, a kind of a, a a perspective from both Zach and myself as to how these players impact the game and how they stack up within, uh, you know, amongst different players in the league, and and most importantly how they impact how they impact and affect their team's success.
0: Well, and the reason I asked the question is is this exercise is fun to do on December twelfth but i and and I don't think I would factor in if we were doing this if the the league decided they were gonna redo uh, uh you know prior to conference vote. I don't know that I would factor in record as much, but I do think it matters as we get to the end of conference play um as you're trying to figure out who who hits each award at least for me personally um mm-hmm. And and I and I agree. The the nice part with both of you saying Baylor Shireman would be your player of the year at this point. Um, obviously he's he's a good scorer, but he does so many other things as well, and that's what is makes him so special as a player. Uh, I don't know if either of you got a chance to watch the North Dakota game at Cal Baptist, but um, Cal Baptist had this freshman Karen Armstrong, who. Isn't a dynamic scorer necessarily, but he changed the entire game. Um, Some the passing, rebounding, everything that he did, and reminded me a ton of Baylor on just yeah. what he can do on a, on a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah we're, we're
1: we're talking about trying to decipher the difference between are they the ones causing the outcome, or are they the beneficiaries of everything else going on, and then they're just coming in at the end and scoring. You know what I mean? And that's why I I am big on the eye test. And I, and I totally agree with your point, Todd, that yes, I look at, does it affect winning, but primarily in the conference season, because like I said, I mean, how do you evaluate how Baylor Sherman played against Washington state and Max Ace played against Tulsa? You know, I don't know. I mean, we're never going to see any crossover and in the conference season, we're going to see these guys playing each other night in, night out, play against all these different people be guarded by everybody you know, be the focal point of the defense and how do they respond to that? all that good stuff. It's a much better representation uh, of how they actually are, I think,
2: yeah, yeah, good points and and I'm you know and and you talk about uh, you know the freshman from cal Baptist, like the like the freshman from eastern Washington, uh, Zach, you know how he impacted yeah. the game up yeah. in north Dakota. but I think we you know I think one of the things that probably both well probably all three of us look at is a guy like Bay- Baylor Shireman, how much does he elevate the level of play of his teammates? It's just, mm-hmm. and, and that is something that you can't, that doesn't show up in the stat sheet, even though his numbers are really impressive. But just how much better he makes his team when he's on the floor. I, I probably put as much value on that. And, and Acemas is no different. Acemas right. scores a ton, but he still elevates his teammates. And, and I think he's got some work to do with his group, you know, minus O'Banner. They've got some room for growth uh, and and uh, the team that we've all been impressed with and, and we probably don't talk about enough is, is Western Illinois and their body of work to this point. They've elevated themselves into, in my opinion, you know, a, a conference championship discussion, just uh, with their talent, their depth, uh, the way Colton Sanders, Sanders has elevated his game Uh and, and, and four guys averaging double figures and in some depth, some size, some athleticism, West Illinois is going to be a scary team in the summer league conference.
0: Well, and one of the things that makes it a little harder for Will Carius to be mentioned with Max Asmus and um, Baylor Shireman and, and Rocky cruiser up in that player of the year discussion is they've got three guys in the top 11 in scoring in the conference. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's balanced out and, and it's it there's and and so is South Dakota State. I mean they're they've got Noah L second and and uh, Baylor nine and ten. So I mean kind of the same thing with South Dakota State. It just the thing that pushes Baylor over a little bit is just the do everything part of his game um, that that helps him in that arena. But it, it's not shocking to see the teams that are doing well, even statistically, having players at the top of the conference even before we started conference play
1: yeah we're so, really seeing that you know, like we talked about earlier, the top of the conference versus the bottom and seeing a pretty good line of delineation between those two,
0: yeah 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 it's a it that it, it, I don't think we were wrong in our stating at the beginning of the year that the top of the conference is really good and some in some ways the best the top of the conference has looked maybe ever it's just the bottom looks worse than we thought i think at which drags of course everything down a little bit it makes me wonder why the missouri valley wants to move to 14 teams or whatever they want to move to uh, yeah. i'm not sure how that's helpful for mid-major conferences but another discussion well, for another time
1: yeah i mean just the quick comment on that is obviously the more teams in your conference the harder it is to make to win the conference and to make it to the ncaa tournament right i mean right. more teams to compete with so but uh yeah so moving on to the second team um what do you guys think
0: well, we got Curious, Edie, Friedel, who is both Curious and uh, Friedel, we'd say we would move up, and then Fuller and Comateros. Uh I'll start before and then go ahead, Greg. Uh, Fuller and Comateros, uh, I, I it doesn't look so far like the statistical jump that got them voted to the second team has happened thus far. In fact, you're almost seeing players like Peril Hunt and Archambault actually taking a bigger role than. than uh, fuller and uh
2: yeah and i go back to usd i i think usd belongs in the top half discussion and i i've also said this i i'm not sure what their what their ceiling is i think their ceiling is somewhat limited unless unless somebody all of a sudden decides to play way above their pay grade um they are who they are going to be a very difficult out on their home court they're going to be capable of going on the road and getting after people. I think coach Lee is going to get them to guard um, they're a team that is, is just to me that they're solidly in that four or five range. I don't know if they can get higher than that, but with the play of some of the teams in the bottom end, I, I see that hard for them to, uh, you know, to, to drop much lower than that, just because I think they have experience. I think they've got a, you know, kind of a, a solid rotation. And an ability to, to defend and rebound fairly well. So yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I think, you know, when you go look at the second team, we agree. Tyree Edie is is one. You know, I I've I've had a chance to watch him a fair amount. When he's good, he's really, really good. I mean, and and when I and, and for Tyree Edie being really, really good, it might be a nine and seven game. You know, nine, nine points, seven boards facilitating uh, guarding bigger guys, that they have to go adjust their lineup, and one of their bigs is hurt, um, and he's all, all of a sudden defending a four. He has that ability. They have that versatility. Is he's, he's never going to be an explosive or dynamic player, but he's going to be a consistent player. Um, he had, you know, I, I think in, in my opinion, to play of the game the other night against uh, CSUN when CSUN I think had cut it to five maybe, and he he gets a three-point play off an offensive rebound, stick back. And just sometimes the timing of his contribution, and and that's what I look at, I'm going, he may not have explosive numbers, but you look at his value to what, when he's at his best, what he brings to that North Dakota State roster. And I think there's a number of players throughout the league, Shireman does it, but just at a much more dynamic level for South Dakota State, who plays at a faster pace, more possessions, he can impact the game in in, in, in numerous different ways. And so those guys have such great value because they just make their teams better um, just by being on the floor at times.
1: Yeah. So I had the most movement on the second team. Um, I basically had none of those guys on the second team still on the second team. So right. no Will Karius, no Ty- Terry Edie, no Noah Friedel, no Xavier Fuller, or Coss- Tussles Comateros. Yeah. Obviously Carius uh, and Friedel moving up to the first team. And then the second team, uh, I kind of agree with your guys as, comments on xavier fuller and, and Tossos those i think both those guys being on the second team were was probably a little bit of a projection into mm-hmm. what they could be and i think we're seeing that it's just it's maybe not playing out exactly like that i mean i think the voters were probably on to something that they they knew the production was coming and uh it's looking like it's starting to come a little bit more consistently Uh, from Mason Archambault, maybe. And so I could see, you know, if there's somebody from South Dakota sneaking onto this list, it may be him by the end of this year. Um, But, you know, what makes South Dakota good is just their balance. They have tremendous balance. That's also going to hurt them when it comes to putting somebody on this team. But, obviously, that's not anybody's goal. I mean, it always sets out to try to put somebody on the second team all-conference team. But that's just kind of how it's playing out. Um, And then, so the other guys that I have on there, uh, you know, obviously, so Douglas Wilson would be bumping down uh, to the second team, uh, all conference. And, and that's just, you know, his situation again, I, that could easily be dead wrong. And he could be right back on the first team. Uh, you know, he's healthy. It's just, he seems to just get in foul trouble quite a bit. Um, so, uh, and, and, and him moving down to the second team was not so much about what stuff that he hasn't done. It's just about some of those other guys just really stepping up, um, you know, whether it's will carriers or, or whoever, um, But, you know, I kind of went a little different route here. So, you know, Anders Nelson, again, um, you know, they won some games. And he's a big reason why. And he's putting up great stats. And so I'm having a hard time keeping him off, you know. uh, You know, him or Xavier Fuller, right, or Mason Archambault. And he's averaging probably a handful more points per game and and winning just as much. So Anders Nelson on there for right now. Uh, Colton Sandage, again, that's just kind of more of a tip of the hat to – that entire Western Illinois situation, um, he's playing really well. He's had some big games, thirty-point games. Um, so he's, I, I think, he's earned that at this point. You know, and KJ Hunt for for Denver, um, you yeah, know, give him credit. He's coming in and and he's their lead guy right now. He's scoring some points, um, not always translating to wins, but they're keeping games much closer than they always have been. Um, so I mean, I'd, I'd consider him, and then and then Grant Nelson. You know, that's that's just one of those situations where. Um, you watch a game for five minutes and you understand that he is one of the, you know, 10 or 11 best players in this conference. And uh, you don't have to look at the box score for that one. So um, I don't know. Right, well, what else? Did you guys have anything else on there?
0: Well, I, I just want to comment on Grant Nelson. Zach, I could easily see his numbers jumping a, a good amount. Once we hit conference play,
1: like I, once I they kind of huge, yeah, a huge beneficiary of Sam Griesel being back on the floor. True. Yep. And Rockies too. You wouldn't see Rocky Rockies get a jump as well.
0: So And and my only other comment when we talk uh Colton Sandage and even Luka Barisic, like it's hard to say that either of those two guys aren't at least in that discussion for second team right right in there. Mm-hmm. It it's just it all kind of and that's where I could see because the numbers are going to look pretty similar and the impact is going to look similar, but that's where I could see at the end of the year if, if Western Illinois finishes second, it's pretty hard not to have three guys with good numbers on those first and second teams. You yeah, know, sometimes, especially
1: when you're talking about both teams,
0: yeah. Right, and sometimes people will, will that's where the you know you'll see it on Twitter and from fans of teams outside the Dakotas the the Dakota bias they'll talk about well. If South Dakota State wins the conference and they get three guys on the first and second team, that's not bias. That's just they won the conference with three guys who are high impact players, and and so it's it. You know, nobody brings up the fact that if nobody from North Dakota makes it, that's suddenly the Dakota bias went away for that. So it, I I think sometimes we're just stuck in our thinking that way.
1: I mean, I go as far as to say I'd be surprised if the team that wins the conference doesn't have three players on the first team, all, you know, first or second conference. I'd be surprised if they don't. I mean, if they don't, it would have to be like Earl Roberts and Max Ace must go crazy or something like that. You know? Um, So, I mean, they should, it's, that's not a stretch at all. I mean, that's go ahead and try to argue against some of those guys. Go ahead and let's, let's see the argument for arguing against Grant Nelson. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) You know? So,
0: well, and it is it, – one other thing I thought about, and then, Greg, sorry to jump over you, but I'm hard-pressed to find a player from Omaha, North Dakota, and even unless uh, Josiah Alec gets a pretty big jump in numbers, any – Kansas City as well, any of those three teams really having somebody that makes either of these teams.
1: Yeah,
2: well, yeah, I, I mean make a good point, and I apologize, Zach, but if there's clear separation between the top half and the bottom half, what you're gonna see is that the top half of the league competing for the majority of the spots in the first and second team. And so you have a number of players that factor into that equation. And 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 that's kind of what we're seeing at this point. I, I'm curious where Kansas City intrigues me. Can they creep up into the top half? Not sure. Um, they, they seem to struggle offensively at times. Um, we've seen omaha struggle early denver struggle early uh, north dakota you know has has to get their house in order offensively they've got to sh- prove that they can score uh, with teams I, 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 without question paul say is going to get them to compete on the defensive end but they've got to find a way to to, to finish things offensively st thomas is unique i mean their performance at home against montana state that, that's not an embarrassment i mean montana state handled north dakota state out in bozeman and that it didn't surprise me to see that St. Thomas battled with them. I mean, they were up big in the first half, yep. weren't able to hold on. But I, I, I still think they're going to be a difficult team to play against. And when they they literally have three of the top nine scorers in the summer league right now, St. Thomas does. So I, um, they're they're going to be an offensive, you know, problem for a lot of teams just because they spread Joe, they use the clock, um, they understand the game exceptionally well. I think that's the one thing is if there's a clear separation between the, between the top half and the bottom half of this league, there's going to be a, a battle, and there's going to be the majority of the players on the first and second teams are going to be from the top half of the league, and that's that's not a that's not a new concept. That's typically mm-hmm. how it all shakes out.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, I just I wanted to bring that up because it does come up quite frequently. That there's, that there's a bias there, but it's just the way it works with... And the other thing, when you think about it, if you're in the bottom half of the conference, the you're you're never going to see lineup changes with the top two, three teams. There are not many lineup changes, because they've got what they've got. But then the bottom teams, minutes are going to be spread around because they're trying to find somebody that can come in and, and make a change. So you're not getting the guys with 30 minutes a game. You're getting guys with A bunch of guys with 20, and so that like it just kind of it all kind of plays into uh, all of that. Getting getting to yeah, working out that way.
2: And and Todd, to your point about the Dakota bias, who've been the teams that have represented this conference in in the NCAA tournament? Who've been the teams that have consistently been at the top of the league, whether it's in the tournament or the or the regular season standings? It's been the South Dakota states, it's been the north Dakota states it's been u s d they they they've positioned themselves quite often to be a top four seed and 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 Paul Sather had his team in the championship game a couple of years ago, so you can say there's a bias, but the the bias comes from the success within the league
0: well, and I would just argue look at the difference between how much we've talked western Illinois this year, yeah versus you know years previous like. Not because we don't like Western Illinois, it just wasn't very exciting basketball prior to Rob Jeter being there. It, maybe we could,
1: uh, we could kind of spin this the other direction too. I mean, what are some players that you know? I, I think it's okay to point these things out that that you've been a little disappointed in.
0: Well, it's it's hard to say because I don't want to say like the South Dakota guys, they they weren't. They, it was all projection. Like yeah. they're they're they averaged less than nine points a game last year, and they're better than that this year. They're just not fifteen yeah. or, or what we thought they, you know, people guessed they might be. But Tazos might fall in there. Not even averaging five rebounds a game, under ten points. Like it, Josiah Alec for me is a player he can't stay on the floor, and they mm-hmm. desperately need scoring.
1: Yeah, I I would agree. I don't think South Dakota like their players are underperforming at all. They're just they're they're probably more balanced than yeah. we thought they'd be. And so that that's different than playing
2: poorly. I think right. in my mind. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. The USD roster this year, it's the exact same as it was last year. Oh, minus two guys. They were pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Umude and AJ Putzaway both literally player of the year candidates and, and to their credit, I mean, I still think they're going to be a a top half team in the league. It's just, you can't take two guys like that off of a team and then expect somehow the exact same lineup to find a way to fill those, those offensive categories that two really high level players filled for USD last year.
1: Yeah. So to kind of, like, 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 somewhere that I'm a little kind of underwhelmed about now is just the Oral Roberts supporting cast. Yes. Um, like that's kind of more or less what I'm talking about because we know Kareem Thompson is a better player than averaging six or seven points per game. We know that. Yeah. And Francis Losses and, and Carlos Jurgen's, we know that. Uh you know, I'm trying to think of some of the others like McBride and Phipps. Yeah. They've been odd these last couple of games. And again, I don't want to jump to too big of conclusions. I've been watching them, usually not the entire game. So obviously take this with a grain of salt, but I really thought they were going to be better. Like the, like the supporting cast, because we basically have one team. I mean, Oral Roberts is still, say what you want. I mean, Oral Roberts is still definitely a top half of the conference team, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's just odd that, you know, Max Smith scoring is down and they also don't have anybody on the top on the first team or second team all-conference team at this point. so
0: They don't even have a player in the top 20 in scoring other than Max. Which is so odd because,
1: you know, he gets all this attention and they're going to have nothing but opportunities and they're really good players. So that's kind of more or less what I'm talking about, about guys that they're not playing up to their level that they're capable of right now anyway. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and the the good and bad for them is part of the reason they made that run in the tournament was players like Kareem Thompson, Carlos Juergens, DeShang Weaver, Francis Latsis that stepped up. And so then I, I would even say other than Xavier Fuller having a really big two games in the tournament, like that's part of why Xavier got that, that preseason buzz. But part of why I expect more from those four players is we watched it against great teams and it just and it's not that max isn't obviously he commands the ball but he finds open players too in that game against mm-hmm. oklahoma state he found open players all the time they just didn't hit shots
2: yeah and, yeah and that's what people have to do they have to step up into expanded roles and, and 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 that this is where you it falls on a coaching staff and i'm not saying anything negative i'm just saying coaching staffs have to have to find a way to to elevate these players into these positions, into these opportunities and expand what their production was previously. And Oral Roberts has struggled to do that to this point. Um, They, they, you know, obviously it was a great win over Tulsa, but they're They, you know, they kind of, they were never, they were never, they never threatened Missouri state. They cut it close a few times, things like that, but still. um, They're they're a team still looking for their identity, but they're, you know when you look at summit league standings yeah I think there's without question they're still a top half of the uh league team and so yeah they've got some some things to 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 figure out one of the things that I, I looked at the other night was South Dakota State. I, I just think South Dakota State has separated themselves at this point, even mm-hmm. with a bad loss on the road at Idaho. Um like the other night against Washington State, I went back and looked, and I'm going, well, yeah, Arians must have got hurt. I, th- I don't even know if he took a shot. I, I know he didn't score, but yet at, late in the game when I'm watching those highlights, he's on the floor all the time. Arians is a guy that is out there fine doing what he needs to do, but he realizes he's got um, uh, a Wilson, a Dentlinger, a Shireman, a Friedel, a much-improved Luke Apple. He doesn't need to do anything, but at the same time, would it surprise any of us if Arians goes four or five from three and has 20 points in a key league game sometime this season? Not, not at all. And so they have a wealth of talent and a wealth of experience. And also in in Arians, a guy that says, if I got to step back, facilitate, make my teammates better and make sure I defend. Well, Uh, South Dakota state right now, Has separated themselves because they have that level of talent, that that level of depth, and uh, and I think their bench scored 31 the other night against Washington State, Mm -hmm. and and in a in a huge win against a team that some people are saying is an NCAA team.
0: Yeah, 42 in the net. Washington State is. They're 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 a good team, and and if you didn't watch the game and you just saw Baylor's shot at the end, uh, South Dakota State had that game mostly in hand in yeah. the last three minutes, but yeah. Washington state hit some big, started to get hot from the outside, got a couple of turnovers and where and it was able to tie the game, but it was South Dakota state's game to lose.
1: Yeah. And kind of the, the, the crux of the situation is, you know, a lot of these players that we're talking about, uh, you know, we know they're talented roles have been vacated in front of them but they're not exactly stepping up to the opportunity and taking it and running with it. And, yep. you know, that can be really two different things. I mean, they may not just have that capacity. You know what I mean? We may have misjudged that capacity. Greg, as a former coach, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, cause we're seeing obviously a lot of that up at UND, like that's, there's a lot of that going on right now. And so can't do anything about that like what do you is that just kind of like you kind of get in the middle
2: of season you're like maybe this player isn't what i thought they were it's a really good good observation zach and and not to bore you guys but i i I remember sorry but my daughter played played volleyball she finished her senior year of volleyball and when she was a junior one of her teammates went out and a, a backup had to fill in for her and i said you know, just make sure you tell her backup that she doesn't have to be the person she's replacing. She just has to be the best that she can be for this team. And it's so funny because she came, she called me back. She said, "Dad, I told her that," and she started crying. It was like she just she she. It was like the pressure was off of her. And I think that's so much of what these guys have to do is they they nobody's going to go step in and be a Philip braccia at right. UND. So don't try to be. You got to go be what you can be for this team. It's the same thing. Nobody's gonna be a Kevin O'Banner down at ORU. These guys have to be what, what they need to be. They can't think, oh my gosh, the crowd expects me to fill in for, you know, fill in the blank, whoever the star was that just left. And and I think that's something that that falls on the coaching staff to say, listen, I'm not looking for somebody here to be Rabracha or O'Banner. You guys got to go out there and just be who you are, and 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 and, and I, I think that's what the the non-conference season is all about for a guy like Paul Sather, for a guy like Paul Mills. They they need to elevate these guys into these opportunities, and they have to do it not as the people they're replacing. They have to do it as the best the best player they can be, or the best number of different players that need to fill those roles. And and I'm not trying to oversimplify that, Zach, but I really think that has a lot to do with it is just go out and, 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 and do what I'm asking you to do and don't try to be somebody that you're trying to replace.
1: Yeah, I I I think that's why we're not going to get too carried away with this right now. We wanted to check in on this because, right. you know, the conference season is going to start. And once the conference season starts, we're, we're probably not going to check in on this uh, again to the end of the year. Yep. Um, and all these teams, even the teams that are struggling – they're playing hard and they're trying extremely hard. This is not a lack of necessary coaching or effort or anything like that. I really don't think at this point, um, it can, you can, you can try too hard, right? Like Zach, we, we all Zach, know guys
2: like, it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I just want to jump in to your and you broadcast UND games, I watched UND play Eastern Washington. They're, Their shortcoming has zero to do with lack of effort. They're playing their tails off. Yeah. Competing at a high level. They're just, their inability to score at times is what's holding them back. Uh, So no, I'm I'm sorry for interrupting you, but you, you you hit the nail on the head. It's not for lack of effort.
1: It's, it's a tough, it's a tough deal, you know, and it's, and it just goes to show that like, not all these teams are on the same timeline. Right. And they don't all start from the same point. So, I mean, because, you know, obviously, again, to, to kind of bring it back to UND, and like, D, like we were talking about as an example for this sort of situation, you know, I mean, four of their starters are playing at other schools right now yep. and their fifth starter just hurt his plantar fascia. He's out. And I get, you know, I, everybody has transfers and stuff like that. Um But trying to find roles and trying to have players take those roles, you know, can be very, very tricky. They, they started a, a different lineup last game and they're going to continue to twist that Rubik's cube, um, uh, until some players start up, you know, I uh, stand up. I, I don't, uh, I won't get into too much more detail than that. Um, but it's just a very interesting situation that I'm watching. Uh, it's almost like they're, you know, some of these teams are like pressing cause they're trying too hard. And, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's hard to tell a team to relax while you, when you're losing games, but at the same time, you know, I don't know. Uh, th- that's just a really interesting concept. You know, when you're talking about roles and, you know, how hard you're playing and working and how do you get things to click? You know, I mean, sometimes it's just as simple as making some shots. I mean, my God, Unity's unity is getting shots you, I, They you really shouldn't change anything. They are getting shots. It's just at some point guys are going to have to make them.
2: I agree with you. And, and I'll, I'll equate that. And, and, if there's a Dakota bias, it comes from Zach and I, and the reason is because we're we broadcast in UND, we broadcast NDSU. We're most familiar with them. Right. NDSU re- returned 93% of their minutes and their scoring. The, going into the Sun game, they were they were shooting 37% against Division one competition, and and you're looking at guys who are skilled players. I mean, they they've been struggling to to knock down shots. UND is no different. Uh, SDSU we go back to them they are the most offensively dynamic team in the league and right now if you're Eric Henderson you're going holy crap how do I keep this going you know what I mean I, I I've got to I've got to keep this going I've got to find a way to make it better and I think um, uh, I think he's got a group that that's going to be really really a tough out in the league so yeah that's what it comes down to is is how do you create high percentage shots and more importantly how do you knock them down.
1: And I talk about this not because it's a UND thing, but because it's a early season thing that affects a lot of teams. It's affecting UND, it's affecting Denver, it's affecting Omaha, and I think it's even affecting Kansas City uh, to a large extent. Um, and then the other teams, it, it's, it's it's not as much of an issue, you know, defining roles and seeing when you start to see that team arrive and understanding what that team is going to be. It's like they need the mist to clear. You know what I mean? Like who. Yeah. Who's on this team? Get, get this fog out of here,
2: you know? And when it starts to click, those teams are scary. Bottom line, Kansas City has to get better offensively. UND has to get better offensively. NDSU has to get better offensively. Western Illinois, a team that we've talked about a lot. Todd, you know a lot about them. They have impressed. They, they, I think, I believe they may have the best net ranking right now unless SDSU jumped them with the win over Washington State. But those two teams clearly with the best net rankings in the summit right now.
0: Well, and I, I just want to make two comments on what you guys were talking about. Um, if you know, we do a weekly podcast and during this time of the season, we're fans of all the teams, right? Like we're just yeah. wanting the summit league to do well. Which so we come in and I think at least I'll speak for myself. My expectations get I start looking at some of the people coming in and these different things. So my expectations maybe go a little bit high or at least have a tendency to overreact to what happens on the court. When you listen to almost every summit league coach talk, they're trying to get ready for conference play. Mm -hmm. Whereas we think, Oh, if just everything rolls, right, we could be a two bid league. I don't think any coach in the league was ever thinking about that. And, and so that's kind of my first point. Like it, we have a tendency to over and underreact or overreact to just everything that's happening on the court because there it's, it's no, no summit league teams playing each other. So if it's a bad day for summit league teams, it's, it's, it feels like it's a bad day all the way around where the coaches really are pushing for that end of year. And to your UND talk, I'll, I'll give another team. There was a stretch for Omaha where Nick Ferrini and Kyle Ludke were their two best scorers in a two- or three-game stretch. And another big contributor was Frankie Fidler, who's a true freshman. That's two walk-ons and a true freshman. I'm positive if we had gotten a chance to talk to Coach Hansen before the season started, he was not counting on the two walk-ons as being two of his bigger contributors. So, like, it's just you're trying to mix all these different things together. So when we talk – And one other point on the disappointing players, or however we want to put that, like we forget about confidence and and the role of when things are rolling good or or not rolling good, how that plays on players. And we saw that with ORU in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that momentum rolled the right – maybe confidence is the right word, momentum is. It's a true thing. And so that can roll the other direction. If it's going bad, it can start going good. Um, so we don't want to overreact that way either. Just because Deshane Weaver isn't scoring right now doesn't mean he's gonna not all of a sudden hit a streak where it's just starting to go. And so yeah, I just wanted to exactly on yeah they're streakers.
1: not yeah yeah they're they're not bad players. It's just a, a bad a, a poorer streak than we know what they're capable of. Right.
0: Yeah 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 yeah. And and we look at these teams towards the bottom like it's just things didn't that wasn't part of the plan. For Omaha to have two walk-ons being their main scoring contributors, it just wasn't. They brought in a couple of Division One transfers either via injury or not what they thought they would be. They're not contributing the same way. And so yeah, when you talk about players, some players are being asked to fill roles that they maybe just aren't. Like to your point, Zach aren't yeah aren't there to fill. Yeah, I mean
1: they they're they're trying to fill fill roles that they can't. Right, you know, maybe that's just not. They they kind of hit the Peter Principle, you know, where they just they kind of bumped into their ceiling a little bit, and you don't really know that till you start playing, and then, and then the, then the adjustments start.
0: Yep. All right. Well, so we wanted to run through some player specific. Uh, we got about fourteen minutes left today. I did want to hit on a rumor that keeps popping up in the Twitter world, which could mean it's very valid, or it could mean it's. Nothing, what I do believe to be true is Kansas City would love to be in the Missouri Valley. What I'm not so sure is if the Missouri Valley really actually wants them or if it's a lot of rumors um so Kansas City keeps getting mentioned as part of the Missouri Valley um, We'll start with if they were to go. where do you guys think the summit goes? We got a new commissioner, Josh Fenton was just announced either last week or the week before as the new commissioner comes from college hockey. Um, he doesn't take control full time till April, I think, but he he has been saying that he'll still be around kind of doing both. Um, do you guys think we lose Kansas city? And if so, where, where does the summit league go from there? This 10 team thing is nice. Be nice to keep that.
2: Well, uh, you know, I'll, I guess I'll just jump in quick. I, I can, I don't know if the Missouri Valley wants Kansas city, they want the Kansas city market. Right. And and Kansas city would be that vehicle. Kansas city doesn't have great facilities. They bounced around, you know, they were in the summit, went to the WAC, horrendous decision on their part, realized they made a mistake, came back and now they might be looking at where they think the grass is greener. And so, yeah, are there discussions? I, I, I don't doubt for a moment there are discussions between them and the Mo Valley. One of the things that, um, from the Summit League perspective, you go back to Tom Duple, who was a retiring commissioner. When he did not offer an invite to Augustana, I think that shocked a lot of people. But I think he, he knew what the situation was with St. Thomas, got into the, to, to the Twin Cities market. I think it was a great move on the Summit League's part. But, but right now, Augustana is, is sitting in, in the back pocket of the Summit League. And so I think that would be the absolute natural ask. For the summit league if kansas city goes let's go get augustana and
0: Greg, are they they're going up to division one in hockey right
2: yeah and they still have a plan i mean they're, they're members of the division two northern sun but they had announced intentions of of, of transitioning to division one if they get offered an invite i think they take it in an absolute heartbeat and make that move now i'm not you know, the, the thing about it is I don't think USD and South Dakota State are going to be, be ecstatic about that. The reason is you look at the Sioux Falls market, you know, that 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 corporate donor world all of a sudden goes from a two piece pie to a three piece pie. <laughs> yeah. And there's only so much to go around. But from a conference stability standpoint, I think it would make perfect sense yeah. uh, because they have the the. The desire to move to the Division One level, if the opportunity presents itself.
1: Yeah, I think there's uh, too much smoke around this situation for there to not be fire. Um, yeah, you know, clearly there's some substance to this. Uh, the, the question is, is whether it actually happens or not. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, I'm sure Kansas City always wanted to get in the Missouri Valley, but you, you know, Missouri Valley had no interest in them, and then the next thing you know some dominoes fall and now they probably do. I'm I'm guessing they probably do. Um, and I'm guessing Kansas city goes. And so, you know, as like sands through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives, right. In terms of moving conferences here. Um, and so where does, where does the summer league go? No doubt about it. They have to stay at 10. I I really do think that they have to stay at 10. It's the conference, the schedule is a thousand times better. It only makes sense. Um, Augustana, I just don't I, I just don't see it. I mean, we saw what their attitude is and why they went out and got St. Thomas, right? It's they're you know, the Summit League isn't a charity. The Summit League would be doing Augustana an unbelievable favor if they invited him to the conference, right? Because without the Summit League, where's Augustana gonna go? That's well, what I've never understood about this.
2: I, I don't it's a good, it's a good question, Zach. But without yeah. without Augustana, where does the summer league go? Well, I th- this is where you know the
1: commissioners get to earn their money, right? Um,
2: Geography's geography gets a lot more expansive the farther west we go. <laughs> and I, it it I,
1: does. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I, that's, I'm
2: not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, yeah. Who else is out there?
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, the the question is is you just never know how likely a, a school actually is, you know. To being available, and right, and we've as we've learned in the in the in the sports world, you don't want to assume that somebody isn't available before making them tell you no. You know, I don't know if that's Northern Colorado.
2: Uh, well, know. that's the one I was going to mention. Northern Colorado makes a lot of sense. They haven't had a ton of yes. success in the Big Sky, and yeah. they're a perfect travel partner for Denver. Yeah, but so, but I just think that the opportunities or the potential members get fewer and fewer when you get to a more expansive geography so yeah i I don't disagree with you zach
1: yeah but the the question is it may be realistic it may be not we don't
0: know yeah um to your point zach that's where i at least i mean we're talking a team that going into this year and has had success previously is a 150 ish ken palm type team like mm -hmm. all it hurts to ask northern colorado is they say no like I would go there first because it makes the league stronger. Yeah, and I then mean, this they is, fail and then you move on.
1: Yeah, this is why you pay your commissioner. This is exactly why you pay your commissioner, to have these relationships and to understand the lay of the land and to keep this this uh, conference moving forward and taking steps forward and being proactive with things. The St. Thomas situation is a perfect example, right? Home run. And that's because they had the foresight and the understanding to know what benefits this conference and who is actually available. Right. He did right. his homework. He knew, he knew what the situation was when he came calling. And so um, that's what needs to happen here. Yeah. I mean, everybody needs to be playing offense right now, quite honestly, everybody needs to be playing offense.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I apologize for interrupting. I I don't disagree. The other thing that we need to keep in mind here is Western Illinois to me is always a wild card. I just, even though their basketball team is already good this year, I can't count on them institutionally. I can't count on them them as a member of the Illinois college system, which is bankrupt beyond belief. Uh, The state is. uh, That's the other thing. So part of me then, as you're talking, Zach, I'm, I'm going, okay, well, we, we've got a hockey commissioner who's in the hockey league. And then also who's, uh, you know, when you look at division one hockey, does he go over and and, and press a St. Cloud who has dropped football, you know, whatever, does he go mm-hmm. over and press a, a Mankato? Um, he's got his roots. He's got his connections. He's got his geographic footprint. And that's what conference commissioners are gauged on, which, you know, is how do you expand and grow your league? And so you have to look within your geographic footprint, which as we talked about, the farther west we go, it gets more expansive. I think Augustana makes some sense without question, just because of where they're at. Um, And they have an an intention to to go to that level. And then at the same time, you know, what are some other potential targets within the, the geographic footprint?
0: Well, and, well, you know what, since we're just t- talking hypothetical, we get Augustana, we get Northern Colorado, we get someone that's a travel partner for Western Illinois that has a football team, and the Summit Football Conference develops.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, but, but, but
1: to your point, though, I mean, I just wonder to what extent these commissioners take a step back and like, yeah, I know conferences are where they're at right now but a lot of times we're in situations that we would never put it this way if we had to start it over now, you know? So, you know, Montana State, Montana is always my dream scenario. Like, I'll always throw sure. that out there. I have zero inside and no- knowledge of how realistic that is. But if you want to start talking about a football conference, um, that's where you start. And I, I, I do agree that if the Summit League had – if all the teams played football and it was a football conference too – we're not having conversations about teams leaving, I don't think, um, unless it's to like the Mountain West or something like that, which is well, you know I, you just kind of tip your hat if that's the case. But um, I'll, Montana, I'll Montana, Montana State, to me that that's my dream scenario to have Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota all together as the core of the conference, and then you whatever happens with Western Illinois or Oral Roberts or whatever, it that matters less because you have a core that. Can stay together forever, basically.
2: Well, Zach, and I apologize. I tried to interrupt you like three times there, so I'm sorry. That is the only way, in my opinion, the Missouri Valley Football Conference would ever break up is if Montana State and Montana were a done deal to come in the assembly in all sports. Mm-hmm. I, I I think they are set on being FCS level. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And but, but I mean it's it's. There better be something really, really good if you're going to break up the best FCS football league in the country. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I, seriously,
0: they if can still North be Coast second State, best. The Summit would uh, just be the best.
2: Well, well and, and <laughs> that if they got a Montana, Montana State, and even a Northern Colorado in there, I mean, then those things make some sense. Right. But and and I think at at, at the FCS level. Basketball drives things as much as football. We all know that at the highest level, football drives everything. Look at the conference realignment. At this level, basketball still matters to a certain extent, but I still think football matters at the highest level of FCS, that the only way they would ever even consider breaking up the Missouri Valley Football Conference is if Montana State, Montana were part of that equation.
1: Sure. All right, so we, we got all the problems figured out. No big yeah. deal. Just we'll we'll just, we'll send them the bill, and then tomorrow we'll find <laughs> right. out. Yeah, and then tomorrow we'll find out NDSU is heading to FBS. So yeah. I always
2: I always wanted to be a consultant, Zach and Todd. That's where all the money's at. It's just being a consultant, throwing ideas out there, and then charging people for. it.
1: We have no problem being consultants. It's just, <laughs> did anybody ask
2: for it? You know,
1: that's no. it.
0: Right. <laughs> if, if if this exact thing happens in April, though, I am saving the tape. Um, yes
1: <laughs> yes and then and then we're self-appointing ourselves special assistants to the new commissioner Absolutely. right yes exactly but, but it is but but the fact that this guy has a hockey background makes me extremely curious it is interesting and the yeah. media like how how the media is going to play into all this and because we know the media is very fragmented in the summit league and um so no doubt about it there's a lot uh on the horizon they wouldn't hire a guy like this if they just wanted to keep the status quo. That's my two cents. I think something's. I think big changes are coming. Uh, that's why they brought this guy in.
0: And the the tough part is Minnesota expansion with other schools could be realistic, but the the I forget what the organization is, but basically there's an agreement that none of the uh, current D2 Minnesota state colleges will be a competitor with the. St- the university of minnesota
1: yeah it's all it's all one school system yeah so it's 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 a really kind of goofy situation it's sort of the same same deal as in illinois you know it's like you know what makes sense on paper doesn't when you start looking at the budget and their bylaws and all that stuff and so um it matters very little in terms of the product on the field it matters more or less in terms of the organizational structure so
2: they they can get out of that crap in no time. But I was just thinking as you guys are talking, I'm going, okay, Summit League, who are the hockey schools in the Summit League? Yeah, UND, Denver, Omaha, St. Thomas, Augie potentially coming in. That's scary. Oh, man, there. I'll tell you what, this uh, this new this new commissioner may have a lot of plans. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out.
1: Well, maybe you just stumbled across something there with Augie going playing hockey and, you know, you bringing know. a hockey commissioner into the Summit League. Hmm. You
0: never know. Hmm. And you know, I suppose there's no nothing that'll hurt for me to reach out with direct message on Twitter to try to get me on the podcast.
2: Let's do there's it. nothing stopping you. No.
0: Yeah. That that would be a fun interview. Let's do it. It's worth a shot. Yeah, well,
2: nothing's well, off limits.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, with with that, we're hitting our 59 minute mark, so we're closing in on that hour. We didn't even get to everything we wanted to talk about this week, but as we get into the grind of non-conference play I think that's not a, a bad thing we we got one more week before conference play starts so we'll probably be starting to look towards non-conference or to conference play as we hit next week's episode um but with that gentlemen we'll uh sign off for this week and we'll uh talk next week have a great night all right you guys too